Welcome to Affiliates in Action for February Part 2. I'm Debbie Hazelton, and this week we hear from BITS and we hear from our new Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. Let us begin with BITS. I sat with the President, John McCann, and the Secretary, Tom Jones, two really good friends. So I am thrilled to be with both of you. I happen to love BITS. I've been a member now... Well, I was a member of VidPi years ago, and I've been. A, this is my second year. I really did do diddly the first year with you all, but now I'm just crazy about you, and um, so this is very exciting. Our first special interest affiliate in Affiliates in Action. So um, with me uh, is the most wonderful president of BITS, John McCann, a good friend for a number of years, and um, excited to be with you in this endeavor. We're uh, together on the ACB radio management team. We've played poker on All in Play. We've talked about all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and then with me also is a new but wonderful friend, uh, Tom Jones, the secretary of BITS. Whenever I tell your name to anyone, Tom, I always say, Tom Jones, you know the great singer. So, uh, well, Tom. It's not unusual. Yeah. <laughs> it's not unusual, yeah. <laughs> Set me up. I had to go there. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> I love it. So let's get started. Uh, let's talk. Uh, who are who are bits? What is bits? Give us an off the top description of this affiliate background story, which I know you have, John. And when did this affiliate form? And what is its current size? And all those good details. Well, uh, thank you, Debbie, for the opportunity to uh, appear on this show as the first special interest affiliate that's being featured. Um, let me give you the background of BITS. It started as Visually Impaired Data Processors International, and it was either formed or joined ACB at the ACB convention in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1969. I was two months shy of my 15th birthday and had no involvement or role in uh, the so-called uh, organized blind movement Um uh, with any organization. I was in high school and playing out in rock bands and, and, and having all sorts of fun being a high school student. The focus of the affiliate at that time was, as the name suggests, um, to address the concerns uh, and challenges faced by visually impaired persons in the field of data processing, as it was then called, we now call it uh, information technology. At that juncture, I dare say we were dealing with people who were uh, writing on punch cards and uh, programming in Fortran and COBOL, and there's probably another language out there um, that I don't know about because I am an attorney by profession, not a uh, uh, an information technology specialist. Um, but... In 2005, and I believe the convention was in Las Vegas then, uh, the affiliate, and this I think was every bit as much of a ratification of a change that had already been substantially underway uh, more than announcing a deliberate or contrived um, uh, refocusing of emphasis or focus. Uh, at at that convention, VidPi changed its name to BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialist. And 
more openly embraced uh, individuals who were hobbyists or specifically assistive technology specialists. Um, the whole field of information technology, especially as relates to blindness and visual impairment, in the past 25 or 30 years prior to 2005 had been um, how to how to get things accessible. I remember in the late 70s, early 70s, we were using conventional printers, uh, use of the period key to produce braille dots. And of course, it was a braille computer language where the dots 4-6 was the actual period and you know, all that stuff. Uh, we had things like Vert, Vert Plus, oh, Arctic yeah. Business Vision, um, uh, and this this was in the DOS days. Uh, that's when I was started to get exposed to computers, particularly in 1990 when I signed on with the um, Social Security Administration as a decision writer. And I remember having a oh uh, was it called a bit box? I did. It's um, yes, yes. It, it was a, a yeah. braille display called a braille bit display. Box. Yeah, <laughs> a bit box. Yeah. I didn't even make that connection. That's great. Yeah, I had I had one of those and a vert pl and vert plus, and mm -hmm. I had um, uh, Amanda Lee, who's on our board, sold me my first personal computer, which was a three eighty six. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and it had art. It had business vision on it, and I remember she had that. She had the rate on that thing cranked up so much. I said I'll never be able to understand it. And within about ten days to to two weeks, I was reading every bit as fast as she was, and I saw at that time just how empowering technology was for blind persons uh, i know empowerment empowering any any iteration of that word and its myriad forms uh, is somewhat beat to death or perhaps overused today but then again i would say it isn't because it, yeah, it there's no other true, word though. that really fits it's it's yeah, a game changer it it's, is i mean it's been such a game changer and um so that's it in a nutshell. Um, Tom, I'll let you chime in here for a well, minute. Well, actually, the, you, you've done everything so well that it's hard for me to add a whole lot other than the fact that we have enjoyed, um, I've enjoyed working with them since uh, just a couple of years after that, even though years ago in the 70s, 1970 actually, I went to programming training school and learned a lot of the technology that involved uh, programming with punch cards and all that good stuff and basic assembler language and all that wonderful stuff, COBOL. And just as I graduated from that class, which was seven months long, the market slammed shut. So oh it God. met a career change uh, as a result. And after a couple of years of doing a little of telemarketing work and stuff like that, and working as a customer service representative as a, at, an, at a newspaper agency, featured that. Uh, then I became, um, uh, somebody told me about a possibility with the federal government. I, I worked at that to sign on for it, and it worked out. And so 32 years of customer service work on the telephone with the Social Security Administration led me to uh, get into the computer aspect of things back in the mid to late 80s when suddenly we became able to use the computer with the administration prior to which we had to get someone else to do it for us. And in a job scenario, that's not always the most popular thing to have to have done because the people, you know, they may or may not be inclined to want to do that right, right. at the time you need them. Yeah. So. I was so happy to be able to do what I wanted for myself as I needed 
and so on. And back then, we had a kind of a moderate introduction to computers. We had printers and stuff like that, but that was back in the DOS days. We didn't get Windows no. until 10 years later, in 98, when right. we went and I spent, oh, I think it was six weeks, uh, five weeks uh, at a training for Social Security in Baltimore where we uh, learned how to operate the computer and do all the good stuff at that. Uh, oh, that was later when I, when I learned the Customer Health and Health help Information Program, which we used uh, a lot. But we went to Chicago for uh, uh, about five weeks to do the, uh, the actual initial uh, training for computers. And so was like I said, was back in the DOS when days. did you come into either VidPi or BITS, Tom? Well, I had, as I had mentioned, when I was in 1970, I was part of VidPi, VidPi okay. because uh, that was really back at some place when we met in Milwaukee. And uh, some people may remember that, some people may not, but we got a chance to see what was then the Triformation Brailler system thing that ran on tape. And boy, that was the nicest thing since sliced bread, we thought. I came in in Richmond in uh, 89. I came to my first convention. I thought I was going to spend a lot of time around uh, GDUI, but it just wasn't my thing. And I came into a VidPi. And even though I'm sure there was a ton of stuff that I probably didn't understand, there was something about it that just spoke to me. I was already using DOS and um, VersaBraille and um, Vert and, you know, but it just felt good to me. So... That's great. That's that's part of what this is all about. As time has gone on since we've been trying to help people in in the organization that we have uh, solve problems, that this is what the uh, VidPi thing was trying to do: is trying to help people to uh, solve problems from a vocational standpoint. Well, and just to love it because it is a game changer. It speeds it up communication. It helps. Even back then, I knew it helped people make friends. It made communication instant, you know. And I hope one can say it this way on a family-friendly show, but technology among the blind is sexy. It's got legs. It is. Track. I mean, because of the things that we've already somewhat uh, rehashed already, it's such a game changer that if you, first of all, it, I mean, look at the number of blind people doing radio broadcast thing and look at how has it has expanded uh, the employment opportunities for blind people. Uh, and so people want to learn technology. People, it, it, there's, there's a natural affinity. Blink Talk, Willie Wilson, the first uh, one of the, I guess, the first blind bulletin board uh, sys- sysop we used to call them uh, right. and blink talk and I was into that and then I had my own board and lots of people had their own boards it was absolutely incredible just incredible tell us some things about BITS members who are they what are some of the work that, that some of them do uh, passions involvement with this affiliate like I said it was professionals uh, in the uh, you know data processing field, and as we moved forward from 1969, that was like well, I guess depending on how you count your decades, you know we're into the fifth decade, into the fifth decade beyond that point in time. Uh, more and more people who became part of the affiliate were assistive technology specialists, as that field burgeoned, and as uh, blind people were 
gaining employment in fields already had employment in fields where technology was changing the parameters of, of the work setting and they needed to know how to do things so uh, assistive technology technology trainers became uh, a big part I dare say I haven't really surveyed this but if I were to look down our membership roster uh, I dare say a good percentage of them without attempting to quantify that off the cuff are, are uh, AT trainers mm-hmm. um, and um, and I'm particularly proud that in the second year uh, that I was president, we, uh, as you may recall, won the percentage growth award with a percentage growth of 137 percent. So we, wow, wow! Uh, I mean, that was uh, even you know, uh, past executive director Melanie Brunson said her eyes just shot up when she saw that she was incredulous that um, you know she did not recall off the top of her head when she saw an affiliate gain that sort of exponential rise. Um, given our numbers uh, and given the, the revival of GDUI, we weren't going to get the, the raw number uh, of, of uh, additional members, but that's okay. I've got the plaque right here in my office, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm happy about that. And when we accomplished that in 2006, uh, and then things fell off. So I want to keep the momentum going this time. I, okay. I, you know, we we yeah. did it once before. We've done it again. But, you know, things happen. Now Now that we've got, I don't think we'll ever see an exponential rise like that in any given year again. That's that's fine. I just want to see a steady trajectory of of adding a decent amount of numbers each year. And, of course, you'll get some who slip away. Um, they, may, they may discover it's not for them. And we believe believe me, we don't need to push it you know you either find a home here or you don't most people do i'm not being arrogant when i mm-hmm. say that but you know i want i want people who who are in this affiliate because they truly want to be because they find what we have to offer value and uh i have no doubt but that that'll be the case for the lion's share of acb members who who have any concern or interest in technology um as far as folks passions i've already covered the at field mm-hmm. there are broadcasters there are uh, social media gurus um, I think uh, an interesting part of that, and John, you happen to ratify my thought here, but we have a lot of amateur radio operators in the group, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting because uh, it's those people also who may find bits a, a great thing to have handy. Well, you know, amateur radio operators are tinkerers. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. putting together, uh, you know, cannibalizing television sets and, you know, uh, uh, taking out a 6L6 tube and putting more volts on the plate than it was ever designed to have and getting maybe 10 watts out of a barefoot <laughs> oscillator. You know, I mean, uh, not to get into the weeds here, but uh, it, you just go from that kind of tinkering to um, maybe – if you have any programming skills or learn a language, developing a website, uh, the skills are um, right, scripts. Uh, equiv- equivalent <laughs> on some level. You know, one, one is hardware, and it requires brains, and it requires a, uh, an ability to be investigative and to not be afraid of failure. Uh, although in the amateur radio world, you want to be some failures you really don't want to experience, like burning yourself with RF or getting whacked with you know the t- <laughs> touching the secondary of a power transformer uh-huh. transmitter. You know that that's something you don't really you want. can light up your life pretty good. Yeah, that, yeah, that could be lethal. <laughs> we we have a dynamic membership. I am so proud of the membership of the organization. They're 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 involved. They're committed. They step up to the plate. Uh, we can talk about the tutorials that we have planned. We did them for a while and then we stopped doing them and. At the last, you know, at the January board meeting, I pointed the finger at Tom and said, 
you know, I'm making you the point man for this. I'm, you know, I'm president of the organization, but you are my point person. I'm going to leave it to you to uh, solicit ideas, uh, mm-hmm. line up the speakers, um, get the dates. Um, wow. I've been talking to Tom a little bit about wanting to get bits involved with Main Menu. And uh, we, Jeff and I have been talking about Main Menu Live, but maybe uh, instead of a whole new show, maybe uh, once a month a Main Menu Live in place of Main Menu with some, or maybe not always on a live show, but still some bits tutorials coming into Main Menu would be great, great merging well, you, you know, I know you send a bunch of questions out, and one of mm-hmm. them had to do with how, how we can help each other, and yep. you just flagged one of the ways in which that can yep. happen. To amplify yes. that, since we've since we've jumped ahead in the question yep. set, if you will, a bit, uh, y- y- getting a bunch of blind people together who are enthused about technology, that's a no-brainer, and, and for all the reasons we've discussed, that, that happens quite naturally, but... We are a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. And what that means to me is that we should be available, and I pledge to make BITS available as a resource to ACB in its uh, technology needs. Not the exclusive resource. There is the uh, Information Access Committee. And whether BITS existed or not, you and Larry would be doing what you do, as would Jeff for ACB Mm -hmm. Radio and... uh, you know what Larry does uh, just for maintaining the service that would happen no matter what but in the off chance that any one of the people who are extensively involved either as a contractor or just as a dedicated volunteer anyone who's extensively involved with ACB's technology needs if, if on the off chance that they didn't know something they could always come to bits and Tom has a tagline yes. we have Saturday night chat sessions Tom has a tagline and it says you never know what learning might take place and you know what it always does well and, uh, every and, time I've checked in it's it I've learned something and Tom you were talking a lot about that last week with me about a way that you would like for bits to uh, be strongly known uh, to exactly. its members and to and other people for joining bits. That's exactly the point. And I think this is when we talk about how, you know, we try to help the community at large. That is by uh, alerting people that we do have, number one, these Saturday night bit chats because uh, the best chats are places where people can kind of get to know each other and some of the technical expertise that flies around in those is great. And I think sometimes some of the uh, less technical aspects of their lives come out. So this is kind of a great place and a good way for people not only to learn about each other, but learn things from each other. And I think this is the, there's two kinds of people in the world. I think I mentioned this to you, Debbie. Uh, there's people with information and people who need the information. Mm-hmm. And those people who need the information and the people who have the information need a platform to consolidate, I think, and, and actually trade uh, information. So that's that's all, you know, everyone has information in different things. And some of the people who have information on one thing can help some of the people who need the information in another. And, and that's really, quite frankly, what this is all about. And I think learning, as we have on our membership lists, we have a, a computer list that, a listserv that 
people when they have a problem, they shoot a message out to the list and somebody else might know the answer to that. And this is another way we serve the community uh, and our membership at large by actually helping each other solve issues with computers that they either have or have to use at work and stuff like that. So that's this great. Is all part of it. John, did you have something? Yeah, actually two things. Okay. Um, uh, apropos of what I mentioned, how bits should be a resource to ACB, uh, I never missed the opportunity to beat the drum for uh, social media, and I intend to approach Kim. I, I know I'll be saying a little bit about this at mid-year, but I would like to set the stage where uh, perhaps at this coming convention, bits pays particular attention to not talking about social media in general terms, like this is how great it is and this mm-hmm. is, and, and here's this client, here's that client, mm-hmm. just an overview. I want to get a little bit down into some uh, serious learning, uh, talking uh, some any individual who would be interested, what client's good, why it's good, why you should use it. Uh, I am a little bit concerned that we have quite a number of affiliates and chapters of affiliates that have accounts, but they're not seeing a lot of use. Somebody found out how to get on Twitter, and they got on, and then, okay, well, you know, it's not enough to just be on there. You, you should be active. What about a seminar? The, the with, the, well, yeah, well, something, because I think BITS needs to take a leadership role yeah. here. Um, well, I yeah. Mean, it's ha- it's going to happen with Team Talk already. It's going to happen. I mean, it's yeah. this is great. Yeah, because social media is exponential. Uh, if if ACB National, and I'm the board liaison, I guess I'm the lead person on the Twitter team, we we have a person designated each week, but myself and Kelly Gask in the national office, uh, I don't want to say really oversee it, but when and as things come to our attention, I'm retired now and I'm on uh, Twitter a lot, Twitter specifically. Um uh, and and if I see something that's that merits being uh, put out on ACB's account, I certainly do it. But here's the point: to, uh, the whole idea on social media is the exponential exposure that you get when people who follow you retweet. So if we put out something, and then even twenty, fifteen, twenty affiliates felt that that was a value and they are going to have different membership bases that we would have. They're going to have people who follow them who aren't necessarily following the ACB account. Then they retweet it. That's how you get the exponential yep. exposure effect. Of, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that is really important. And we're not getting the kind of exponential exposure that I'd quite like at this point. And that's just because um, I think uh, the affiliates aren't, not enough affiliates are using it to quite the extent that I'd like to see him do it. And I'm not saying that to point the finger, but yeah. you know, it's a true it, it's you'll never recognize this. I think you know it's a truism in the uh, substance abuse rehabilitation community. The first step in addressing a problem is to recognize there is a problem. Yeah. Well, um, it, you know, I think yeah, people get caught. Let's call it an issue. You know, that there's an yeah. issue that we 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 could get better exposure if we had our affiliates. Well, uh, let's with hope Twitter accounts. 
Yeah, let's hope this helps because I think sometimes people get used to what they're doing and, you know, don't always know that there's this tool that can really make a huge difference. And I adore Twitter. It's really hard to read everything. And I think that's that's another thing that happens. The other thing that makes Twitter work differently than email, I mean, somebody could say, well, an email email list does the same thing, you know, you forward and blah, blah. Twitter is fast. Somebody was talking to me today. They said, we need more listeners for our show. I said, have you ever heard mine? I'm active with listeners on that Monday morning show. Why? Because people are on Twitter with me. It's much faster than email. It's boom, 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 back and forth with lots of people. It's more like a conversation. It is. It is a thing like you write to your parents, they write you back. You write to your parents again, they write you back. And it's it's not just like uh, snail mail. No. It's more like... Uh, it's like, I'm here. Great to have you. telephone conversation. There's, yeah. there's, an immediacy, yeah. there's an immediacy factor that's going on. Like when mm-hmm. I knew that... Well, for example, I, uh, I saw something on the leadership list that Kirk Adams had been appointed... Um, had been appointed uh, as a, the new executive director of the American Foundation for the Blind. So I immediately set up a buffer uh, to monitor tweets put out by AFB. In the instant the one uh, announcing uh, that appointment came up, I just retweeted it from ACB National. And that shows AFB that we care, we're monitoring, we're giving them exposure. Mm-hmm. And just as uh, there's a reciprocity dynamic, uh, yep. when you do that for a, an organization, they're likely to do it for you. Right. It's relationship building of it a is. sort. Uh, yeah, and, it is. Yeah, it is. And it's it's important. But to bring it back to the bits, you know, it's a technical thing. It's something that bit, some bits members really know and love. And it, we just have to preach the gospel. Not only preach the gospel, but also teach. Teach what it, it is because and show so them. You have to teach it because it's not enough to say this is great. Do it. Well, I, I'm hoping that's what this show does. It helps to make it contagious. Somebody says, huh, wow, this show, look what this did, brought them out. Maybe this show will bring us out. Wow, they're talking about Twitter. Maybe we need to try that. What are some of the BITS advocacy endeavors and projects, hurdles, triumphs, current concerns? Let's hear you brag about some of your strengths in this area. Well, this wasn't under the auspices of bits, um, but but bits I think will play a role here. Uh, I think it is known, and if it isn't, I'm going to brag on my uh, a fellow Tucsonian uh, and a fellow colleague on the board, Jeff Bishop. <clears throat> he was along with uh, Eric Bridges and uh, other representatives of the blindness field. Uh, there was a summit held last November seventh. Um, with Microsoft because the blindness community in particular, other disability groups may have been there, but the blindness uh, group in particular was most uh, uh, underwhelmed and uh, most displeased with the fact that Windows 10 had come out with significant accessibility issues. Uh, And as a result of that summit, uh, things are moving forward in the accessibility area. I I can't give specifics. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but suffice it to say that um, I would be very, very, very shocked if we ever see a repeat of what happened on July 29th uh, of last year when uh, 
there was a release of a uh, an operating system with significant accessibility accessibility challenges. I don't think that will happen again. But where bits comes into play, because that would have happened with or without bits. Mm-hmm. But I think it helps ACB that we can represent that we have a special interest affiliate that's a cadre of rather sophisticated technology users, and they're they're knowledgeable about both assistive technology and technology general generally. Uh, and they're going to be monitoring and they're going to be testing and they're going to, and if there's an issue there's a problem uh, you're going to know about it so I'd, I want it doesn't need to be formally declared uh, but but I expect bits to be uh, cheek by jowl with uh, the players who went to Microsoft and, and Jeff is a, also a bits member but there's uh, you know advocacy uh, situation or uh, or dynamic that, that that you know and where bits will have a role go ahead Tom. for example um, if if people had uh, even those who haven't been able to be at conventions if they find uh, recordings available by becoming a member and going to look at those they will see that at conventions we have uh, and and quite frankly we try to be on the trending uh, plate as much as we can Richard via our treasure uh, last July at convention had been working with Windows 10 as a beta and as bad as the accessibility issues in some areas of it were he actually went ahead and demonstrated parts of it at convention in one of our early more early seminars that we did at convention so uh, you can see that we try and look at what's what's trending what's coming up and try and do something with it at an opportunity like a convention to be able to present it in a way that people get an introductory if not a, a pretty good detailed look at what's coming Another thing I think I would mention, too, we were approached because BITS conducted its first, now we're behind GDUI on this, but we we did conduct our first uh, online election. We conducted our annual meeting this June by teleconference, and we conducted an online election. uh, Which, unlike GDUI, we ours did not have a telephonic component because every single one of our members happens to have a, an email address. So in that sense, our membership base may be atypical. I, I would be hard-pressed to think of an affiliate where you have 100% uh, buy-in on the use of emails, but we being a technology. And, and that's not a credential, by the way. If somebody doesn't have email and wants to join Bits, I'll, I'll willingly take them. But <laughs> here's sure. my point. Here's my point, that, that we were approached because ACB, uh, and, and you'll hear some some about this at mid-year, ACB uh, is exploring how we might in the future move to an online uh, uh, voting system uh, to enfranchise those who are unable to attend conventions. And since BITS is one of the organizations that has done that, a GDUI is another, and I think there may be one other. You know, we were invited to that discussion, the preliminary discussion, and I think it's not beyond the realm of possibility that BITS will be asked to uh, look at any technologies that that we might embrace or adopt, uh, and we that we will vet, you know, whatever system might be used. We I want to be the the pe- the go to group uh, to the extent that. Technol- technological issues are involved, you know, that, that we will be invited to be at the table or uh, 
I, I should think we would be. Um, you know, Kim knows, and the board should know. I'll make it very clear to them that, you know, we're there for you guys. You know, if if you have technical questions about how it would work, security, uh, this, yeah, uh, things of that nature. You know, there's there's where we can be a player. I love it. That's great. We talked a little bit about the Saturday Night Bits chat, which is great. We've been on Team Talk, which is very exciting. Um, we Some are on the phone, but it just seems like there's such a variety of people there talking about a lot of different things, and a lot of people. How many people often show up on Saturday night? Do you have some numbers? Well, it's been, it's been increasing. Uh, uh, I would say that at, in any one week, we've had as many as 15 or Fifteen or eighteen people, uh, and it's kind of done sort of like an open house. You kind of come and, and participate in what part of the conversation you have time to be able to get into, and uh, where you come in and where you take the conversation also contributes to how long it goes. We had one conversation, I think maybe two, that we we actually had a six hour bits chat. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up Sunday morning and I, and I looked at the Free Conference Pro, you know, printout, uh, as it were, and, and I, mother of God, this thing, you know, I mean, there, there were people who were on for five and a half, That's six hours, funny. and most of these people are, are, you know, east of me now that I'm in Arizona. That's an activity that's fun. That's an activity that might uh, be, you know, I mean, it's just great, good networking. And, re- and remember, you know, you never know what learning might take place. Exactly. Exactly. I to that, so. And so, and then you also talked about the activities at National, which I know from past conventions. Bits has historically had its own suite. That will continue to be the, the case for so long as I have anything to say about it, and for so long as Tom and Renee are, are, are a big part of helping making that happen. Uh, we do the uh, Bites with Bits, which is our, our social. Uh-huh. We had one heck of a social. For those of you who are in Dallas, uh, you'll remember that the the suites had pianos in them. Well, ours did. Um, Karen, I tell, she's a sweetheart. She, uh, I, I pro- once, once Tom called me from the suite, and he got there like a day or two before I did. Uh, you were there Wednesday. I didn't get there Friday. Yeah. Tom calls me up and says, John, there's a piano in the suite. And, and I I said, okay. Um, I called Karen on the phone and said, um, hey, how, you know, I, I know you normally get paid for doing this, but uh, could would you uh, consider uh, playing a little, uh, you know, lounge music, cocktail, you know, lounge kind of thing, you know, just put a little background. And she said, well, let's see uh, if I can move my schedule around. I said, no, no, no. no. She said, no, I want to do it. And she did. And Nancy Pendergraft also uh, oh. also did that. You, you talked know, about helping other affiliates, wanting to help other affiliates with with um, information about Twitter and, and, and probably just a whole lot of what's available, I would imagine. Um, and, you know, further speak to that if you want. But I'm also wondering... How in any way at all can other affiliates help you? And also, what, if any, kind of help do you need from the parent organization and its leadership? Any thoughts come to mind? Well, let me, let me, yeah, let me speak to the first part of that. Okay. Um, we didn't move forward on this, which is not to say we won't, but I know that in one of our board discussions, the idea came up. Uh, and again, uh, affiliates... We are a decentralized organization, and I've written this in every all of my campaign statements when I ran for the 
the treasurer in 2011, when I ran for the board in 2012, and when I ran for the second vice presidency slot, you know, last year in in uh, Dallas. All three times I've, I've said this. The consequence of our being a grassroots organization means that our membership development is, is functionally delegated to as many as 60 or 70 different persons and or committees. And where I'm going with that is, and, and we've talked about this in the membership committee, uh, it would really behoove these affiliates to have the ability to accept dues by PayPal. So what the affiliates have been saying is, well, how do you do that? I mean, we have a website, but you know, how do you set up PayPal? What kind of code? What what code snippet do you put in? Well, hello, we're Bits. We there should be somebody or a cadre of individuals in our organization that knows how to do that, that can provide the code, that can help affiliates uh, accept dues via PayPal and use their yes. existing website. Uh, because it's so much easier to click a button than to ask a sighted person to write a check, address the envelope, perhaps take it to the mailbox, depending on how isolated you are in terms of access to transportation. You're, or banks. You're not, you know, you're not going to take a, a $10 cab ride to get to a mailbox to put in a, you know, a 50 cent letter. Uh, again, technology, technology, technology. You pray, yeah. if, if you've got I a agree. PayPal account set up, you press a button, bang, your dues are paid. I just did that for GDUI two days ago. They would get, yeah, a lot of affiliates would get more members, I think, with they PayPal. I, it's not a case of just more members, but, you know, the concept of the technology moving forward, uh, gradually we are having to perform the action of dragging people kicking and screaming into a situation that once they get in the water, they kind of go, wow, this isn't too hot or too cold. I can get used to this. Mm -hmm. And as we can continue to train these people on how to do what they need to do to get that job done, hey, uh, as they begin to realize that we can help out, uh, then this will be a situation where we can all benefit. We uh, possibly gain some membership and they actually gain some skill level and actually find a way to save money because down the road I can foresee uh, a lot of issues for people who have to depend on other people to get things done. So uh, this is all part of, and it's it's in within our own organization. So, you know, hey, this is this is all part of of, of moving forward. Mm -hmm. And as much as people rebel against it, I think down the road, once they finally do what you need them to do to get the job done, they go, oh, hey, this was better than the old way. Yeah. Well, that's so, I've we've seen that over and over again. You know exactly. And that's sure. what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm just here trying to um, to uh, inform people as best I can that hey, there is something worth doing. Something that's kind of out of the box to them at the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing I'd like to broach, which is some, which has some relation to this question, is I want to see bits be in the forefront of some joint programming. Uh, I think it is known at this point yes. that it'll be reinforced at this year's mid-year that, that we will be shortening the convention uh, because uh, the convention attendance is just becoming a challenge even for those who are uh, comfortable, um, you know, in terms of uh, socioeconomic status, if I can be frank, mm -hmm. you know, people who have jobs, and it, it's, yeah. it's becoming more, more challenging. Mm -hmm. um, last year, and it broke my heart that, 
having engineered this, I, I was not able to be in attendance because I was approached to be uh, among the uh, group of individuals who were uh, looking at the beta, uh, is pre-beta actually, of iOS 9. Uh, so I was not able to attend the, the function I'm, I'm about to talk about, but Tom mentioned the uh, very significant intersection of BITS members with ACBRA members, it's radio amateurs. And one thing I really wanted to uh, see addressed, uh, talk about is uh, digital mobile radio, which is becoming all uh, in vogue in, in amateur radio. The old, you know, analog mode of transmission is now being uh, superseded, not blessedly not to the extent that I thought it was, um, but it's coming and the blind people need blind people need to be ready for it to the extent that we can be because the, the, a lot of it is not yet fully accessible. And Betsy Doan, K1EIC, uh, has been doing a lot with digital mobile radio, and there is one system that is accessible. And she spoke to it in a joint session uh, that Bits had with ACBRA uh, after our luncheon uh, and Tuesday of convention week. And just what was it? Three days ago? To, no, today's Friday. So two days ago at the board, the Bits board meeting. Uh, and all are welcome to uh, to check that out, although you only get that announcement if you're on the discussion list. You need to be a member for that. Uh, all BITS members are entitled to sit in on the board meeting. It's the uh, first Wednesday of the month at 8 p.m. Eastern. But I brought up the idea of doing a tutorial or a demonstration of Echolink. Um, Echolink uh, is a computer program that interfaces with amateur radio and there is an iPhone version or an iDevice version. So there are natural synergies there but I don't want to restrict it to ACB radio amateurs. That That's where we've been thus far but um, I'm looking for ways to reach out to other affiliates perhaps in, in 2017 uh, where the synergy may exist to do a joint session. Our discussion group is limited to members because otherwise membership has limited value mm -hmm. if, if anyone can just join. And a lot of affiliates work that way, show some commitment to the affiliate by uh, at least paying dues. Which are only $20 a year. So yeah, right. It's not that much. If you're a life member. Uh, you don't realize we have nine life, nine life members in our, uh, our affiliate. How can ACB Radio be of further help to BITS? You're doing it right now. Yeah. Okay. And, and good. I think that this is this is the thing. This is the show whose time has come, and 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 it's been uh, really been something that we really didn't expect, and it's really going to, I'm sure, be quite a value to not only our affiliate but others as they begin to get highlighted. Because after all, it's only by growing affiliates that the whole organization grows, and as that happens, everyone. Uh, everyone finds a way to mutually benefit by it. Well, thank you, John, Tom, and Bits. Now let us hear from our new Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, Tony Stevens. Welcome to your new role. Thank you. Well, I'm sure it has no doubt been very busy. How are things going since you've gotten started with us? Things are going well. It's been jumping right in. Literally, we were we were moved out of the office within just a couple of weeks after I started. It's been about a month now, and you know it's it's it really has been because of the legislative seminar coming up, which is at the end of February and first of March. Uh, we've had a lot of issues that you know Eric Bridges, who's now the executive director, 
uh, was working on but had to table because he took on the executive director position, which has its own new set of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of issues right out of the gate that literally my first morning, you know, I was here for half an hour and then jumped right in. So, <laughs> well, so it's yeah. been good. That is good. And tell us a little bit about what uh, led you up to this, like some of your background that lends itself to this, this new role. Sure. Well, I came to ACB from National Industries for the Blind. I was managing advocacy and public policy there. So I had the chance over the past five years to, to work with, with Eric on a number of policy issues up on Capitol Hill. You know, the job had me up on the Hill working with coalitions, uh, both in the blindness community as well as in the larger disability community. Mm -hmm. I ran a program called Advocates for Leadership and Employment, which is a, a program that NIB sponsors that brings in people who are blind into Washington and trains them on the basic skills for being an empowered advocate. And, you know, prior to that, I moved down to D.C. before I started NIB from New York City and when I was in New York, I was working for a communications think tank that focused predominantly on social justice issues, domestic human rights issues here in the United States. So that work had me on everything, doing messaging and communications on, on policy issues ranging from immigration to health care, um, worked on a lot of structural racism issues, equal mm -hmm. opportunity issues. Uh, so, you know, it, it, my background is in communications. I got my yeah. master's and undergraduate in journalism, both from the University of Georgia, and worked in radio some during the 90s at a, for a grassroots community radio station outside of Atlanta, mm -hmm. and was also a print journalist for a little while. I've always been involved with, you know, what I'd say advocacy journalism when mm -hmm. I was doing media, but then what I'm doing now, you know, it's kind of flip the, the, the coin over, but it's still the same coin, it's still telling stories. I mean, what the advocate essentially does is tells the stories of others. It's a voice for those that don't have a voice mm -hmm. uh, or helps people empower themselves to have a voice. Mm -hmm. so it's good. all basic storytelling. And, yeah. you know, as a, as a journalist, as a writer, as a, as a media artist, I was a freelance uh, media artist in New York for a number of years in New York City. You know, it's 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 all in a sense just just telling the stories and telling it in a way that even someone on Capitol Hill that has no idea what it's like to be blind or has no concept of blindness, or if there's someone at a state or organization around the country, you know, how do you tell that story in a way that it resonates in them and begins to influence and persuade them? Because it's you know we're in a game of relationship building and 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 policy influence and persuasion, so. You know, all the essential keys of communications really tie in and, and, and sort of tie all that up into a nice bow. So I wonder where that fine line is between building a relationship, bringing in something to help build empathy, and at the same time, bringing forth information regarding regulations. Well... I mean, you have to be able to you have to be able to manage both sides. Mm -hmm. You know, it requires solid critical thinking and analytic skills. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to tell the stories as an advocate, but when we get on the governmental affairs side, you know, I'm director of advocacy and governmental affairs. Mm -hmm. You know, that involves all the policies and regulations, right. laws. Right. Uh, you know, I was lucky. I, I'm an ex Latin teacher. I was spent seven years in formation, uh, religious life formation as a Catholic 
religious orders uh, mm. uh, in the West. I uh, was a former Jesuit and taught uh, Latin in a, you know, a Catholic school in the Lower East Side of Manhattan in New York. Uh, you know, that instilled philosophy and critical thinking, even though I don't have a law degree. I spent a couple years in graduate studies, you know, focused on that areas, those areas. And it, and it really helped sort of, you know, get the brain skills up to, to be able to read through legal documents and legislation mm-hmm. and be able to understand them. Yes. Again, I'm not a lawyer and you know, I said the other day on a call with, with a, a, a number of folks who are lawyers, you know, in my job, I'm not trying to, to carry that torch in a way. Uh, you know, I, I will need people's help in this job. You know, I will need our organization's help in finding the stories. And also, you know, it's, it's such a vast array of information and issues here in Washington that no one person knows everything. The key to effective advocacy in governmental affairs, I believe, is knowing where to get the answers and being able to tell those answers in a persuasive way. So, you know, luckily, the great thing about ACB is we have a huge resource base that we can call upon here in the national office. And people really have been so helpful so far and the issues that I've been taking on just at, within the first month to be able to, to somehow be those subject experts, our divisions of, of various subject matters, bring together a bunch of experts around the country and and, you know, it, it really is a job not for one. Uh, you know, we're all in it together. And so I'm extremely thankful for everybody's support, you know, as I'm, as I'm getting involved and, and uh, you know, and working toward that issue. As, as, you know, the storytelling in addition to what essentially is, is uh, the teeth, which is the laws, you know, that we have mm-hmm. to work. Around. Well, I would think affiliates will be, I would think you working with affiliates will be a wonderful kind of thing and maybe already is in terms of affiliates sharing their stories and sharing their process and you also being able to help many affiliates move through some of those things to to other levels. We know so much of what takes place in our country is on a local level and that's where the affiliates are. You know, I can be a, a, a voice here in Washington for folks but even with the members of Congress, the real influencers are the people that are those local constituents. And that's also where the real issues pop up. I mean, you're right in the sense that with the affiliates, I had the chance last night, I live in Maryland, we work in Virginia, our Mm -hmm. office is just outside DC in Alexandria, Virginia, just across the Potomac. But I live in Maryland, so I take the train in every day uh, from Maryland where I live. And, you know, with the exception of my own Maryland chapter that I stopped by our meeting, our local meeting, after I took the job. Last of the night, uh, the other night I had a chance to, to talk with um, the Northern Virginia and Old Dominion councils. And, you know, it is great because there were a couple new people there and they had their own concerns and stories that, as questions unfolded where you, you begin to hear the issues people deal with and you realize how local they are. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the big, broad issues that we deal with, like web accessibility or, um, you know, FCC implementing regulations and things like that. But, you know, there's also the person who's just having a hard time navigating the school system. Mm-hmm. And who do they talk to? Yeah. You know, there's a state law that's introduced. And how do we work that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so so much, let's say the overwhelming majority of things that are the stuff that really need to be dealt with are on the local issues. And that's where the affiliates really come into play. 
because they're the ones, in, in obviously, as everyone knows, listening to this, you know, you all are the ones that are engaged on that level and working working with the, the members and not just the members, but the other people who are blind that come to our organization and say, hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. How do I get help? And it's the people on the ground that are the real soldiers in a sense. Not a day goes by where there's not something new I learn, mm-hmm. which is a great part of the job. One of the things I love about this job is there's so much coming at you from every different angle that it is, it is uh, you know, you really stand at the intersection of all things going on impacting people who are blind. You know, in a lot of ways, it's, it, it is, you know, a type thing where uh, I would say sometimes people can get into a situation where the best thing to do sometimes is say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we don't do that enough. Mm-hmm. It not only gives us another chance to engage, because remember, so much of what this is important, uh, you know, so much of what makes this important is that we're relationship building. Mm-hmm. We're not just bringing about change, but we right. need to make relationships. Yes. And that's the real key for advocacy, is finding people who will share your voice and then also speak on your behalf. And those are your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, those are your friends that look out for you. And you have to build relationships. And, you know, it's good sometimes, we don't realize it, but when we say, I don't know, it gives us another chance to get together and, and renew that relationship. So I think sometimes That's people good. don't realize that. We have yeah. to think we know everything. And okay. it can be so complex that we say too much. We maybe don't say enough of the right thing. Uh, you know, it's just as important to listen as well. You know, we often sometimes think we need to talk all the time. Mm-hmm. research, reading, all these things that are listening skills, hearing the stories of others, that's a real important part of advocacy. But the, the relationship building, I think, is also that key of, it, of continually. Yeah. It's not just coming to Washington one time, but it's coming here again and again and, and engaging at home when the members of Congress or your local delegates at home are involved. So, yeah. So, yeah, and then I think even down to the individual level, many times people are afraid to advocate. They're afraid that that something's going to go against them if they assert. Society forces us into that mold. What was the first thing, when's the first time a person advocates or self-advocates? You know, the self-advocate speaks out on their own behalf. When is the first time we're a self-advocate? The moment we're born and we cry. Yeah. And what do parents tell us? I know it's because I have two young yep. boys. What do we keep telling our children? Yep. Stop crying. Stop be crying. Quiet. Yep. Listen. Follow the rules. When we're in school, they tell you to sit down, follow the rules, don't cry. We are told by society and the norms not to speak out. But that voice, the initial inherent part of who we are, instinct, is to advocate on behalf of ourselves. The moment we are born... After that first breath, we yell out a cry, and we're told to be quiet. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's burned into our brains, and it does take work to build yeah. that self-confidence. But the great thing about advocacy is you tell your story, and you tell the story of someone else. Yes. And when someone else is telling you your story, it becomes a harmony. It becomes a voice that, that is almost like a song, and other people start singing it, and other people start singing it. And before you know it, it's like you ever... You sing a song by yourself and you don't know all the words. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of awkward. You're like you know, uh, you know, <laughs> shake, shake, <laughs> shake. You know, and you don't know all the words. 
But when you're singing with 50 other people, you might drop out a word. You might go sharp. You might go flat. But it doesn't matter because you have 100 other people singing your song with you to pick you up. And so that builds confidence. And you start singing a little, a little louder. Even though you don't know the words, it doesn't matter because you're singing a little louder. Advocacy is the same way. Yeah. We need to find people that we can sing with and sing our songs. And sometimes we got to solo. we got to sing on ourselves. We're all alone. But when everybody's singing the same song, it makes it that much louder. Great. That's excellent. Is there anything else you want to add? Clearly, I, I, um, I'm, I'm so new here, I don't know how to mute my phone yet. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> it just shows you're a busy person. Well, it's, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's a Friday. I think everybody's trying to catch before the weekend. Yeah. You know, we have our legislative seminar coming up. Uh, you know, affiliate presidents, people that are involved in the agencies, it's volunteers, and we know that here in Washington. And, and you, you don't want to burn people out. You don't want to burn out the people on your organization. Um, find out the areas that's passionate for you, that, that give you that joy. Uh, you know, if it's coming to Washington, if it's not coming to Washington, find out ways you can advocate at home. One of the things that we're, you know, I'm really wanting to do this year is engage every member, not just the people that come to Washington on March 1st, but I would love it if, you know, we're coming here to tell stories. I would love it if on March 1st, every member of ACB can find someone to not just tell their story, but advocate and tell the stories of others who are blind. If we can do that with, let's say, the hundred and so people we have here in Washington, but then every person listening could also find a way oh. to email, to phone call, somehow to tell our story. Uh, you know, the, the, the song that we'll be singing here in Washington is going to really echo out around the country. So I like that. I know That's not everybody can come to Washington and has those resources to come here. But what I would love is if that everybody can be a part of the song March 1st when we're Ooh. in Washington so that we know we're all singing together on that one day. March 1st, we'll I be like up on it. the hill. So if you can't make it, don't worry. You can still sing with us. Yay. Oh, that sounds great. All right. Thank you, Tony. I look forward to ways in which all of us learn a whole lot more from you as time goes on. ACB has a new PSA. Perhaps you've heard it. During the month of December, we had an opportunity to create and air this PSA on Google Play. Now that we have it, we want to further disseminate it. If you have ideas of further avenues of helping us to carry this message about the good works of ACB, please get in touch with the ACB National Office or with us here at ACB Radio. Thank you. Here's the PSA. California. Florida. Iowa. Texas. Guide dog users. Students. IT professionals. Government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention. And operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. Thank you, Bits. Thank you, Tony. And remember what Eric and Kim have both said about the heart of ACB affiliates and how together we can do anything. Remember, ACB Radio is the mouthpiece. It is the voice of ACB. Make your voices heard. Affiliates in action. Affiliates in action.